Hey, Slingers, do you have a strategy for debuting your book? We're going to talk to author Mary Kaliikoa about how she's doing just that. So stick around. Hey, sometimes it's hard to know where to start when you're building and growing your indie author career, and that's why I have put together something just for you. Me and my partner, Roland Denzel, have created Indie Author Blueprint. So hop over to IndieAuthorBlueprint.com, start learning about all the ways you can build and grow your own indie author career, and we'll be right there with you all the way. See you there, IndieAuthorBlueprint.com. It's the Word Slinger Podcast, where story matters. Build your brand, write your book, redefine who you are. It's all about the story here. What's yours? Now, here's the guy who invented pants optional, Kevin Tomlinson, the Word Slinger. Word Slinger. Well, hello, all my. We'll just call you uh, socially isolated author friends. <laughs> this is Kevin Tomlinson, the Word Slinger. Thanks for uh, tuning in for another week of the Word Slinger podcast. Um, lots of stuff going on uh, this week. There's a whole bunch of big, interesting things happening. Uh, well, I say that, and then I don't really have anything directly to report. Uh, <laughs> but we've got. It's been kind of interesting over the past couple of weeks as uh, things have developed internally at uh, draft to digital so that's been fun um if you haven't been paying attention we've been doing these uh daily d2d spotlights eventually it's going to go to a weekly format but we've been building these daily spotlights um that are interviews with industry influencers and insiders and uh it's been really interesting to see you know how people react to these things uh they're very popular they're very informative if you haven't uh checked those out live you can each day right now at noon central if you uh, are on the draft to digital facebook page you'll see it if you follow draft to digital on youtube if you go and subscribe on youtube you'll see it so that's been uh that's been a lot of fun you can also go to d2dlive.com and you'll see a countdown you can get, gain access to all the past episodes everything is there so uh in addition to that i've been doing some some live cast stuff uh quite a bit couple of things that are really fun and interesting uh, that are more reader-facing, because uh, I'm trying to do more stuff that's aimed at readers. Like everything I do is aimed at authors right now. Uh, so um, I have uh, been running my show, The Kevin Show, uh, not in a consistent time slot yet, just kind of picking generally like a, uh, a Tuesday or Wednesday and generally like at 2 or 3 o'clock p.m. Central Time. Uh, I'll, I'll probably pick a time and make that the slot for it, but it's kind of right now, it's, everything's sort of up in the air because I've got a lot of stuff already on my schedule and, uh, the you know, occasionally I have guests and they don't always uh, have that slot open. So it's um, it's been a little bit uh, all over the place, but consistently good. <laughs> if you pop in there and check it out, uh, there is a Facebook page now, uh, The Kevin Show, that you can search for. And if you go to my YouTube channel, please subscribe, by the way, if you go to my YouTube channel. I'm trying to bulk up to a 1,000 subscribers, and I'm at like a third of that right now. Um, once I hit that 1,000, I'm going to want a billion, so just be prepared. But uh, if you go to uh, YouTube.com slash Kevin Tomlinson, 
that's my personal YouTube channel, and I'm uh, starting to add more content there. Mostly these shows, so you can catch up on like the past. I think there's, a, I think we're up to like six episodes now. The most recent one, I did a cover reveal for my newest Dan Collar thriller. If you happen to like to read archaeological thrillers, uh, this is going to be a good one. This is a really good. I mean, I say this about every book, but this is my my best book. <laughs> this is my absolute best, and. Uh, uh, it's going to be tough to top actually going forward from here. But if you go, uh, right now you can pre-order that book for two ninety nine on Amazon. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, it's going to be pretty amazing. So help me out there, share that with friends and family. Um, but I do the cover reveal in a, uh, Kevin show, uh, live stream and, uh, you weren't there for it probably, but that's okay. That's okay. You can catch up now and, uh, see, uh, hear me talk about, a little bit about the uh, sort of the uh, philosophy behind the cover design and you know the things that I did there. So check that out. Um, I also this week, in the past couple of weeks, I've been participating in something that um, Jim Heskett has uh, created, and it is um, what it's called "Story on the Spot." So if you are familiar with uh, author Jim Heskett and his thrillers. Uh, it's me and him, uh, but also Nick Thacker, good friend, friend of the show, uh, writing partner on occasion, and uh, and also partner on author email at authoremail.com. Uh, and uh, I, I don't want to say, is RA, and I don't know what name he uses, RA something. Man, I feel bad. I feel terrible about that RA. I can't remember the last name. That's terrible. Uh, yell at me all you want. I'm sorry. Uh, but, you know, there's basically four of us on this thing. And we. Uh, what happens is Jim reads a story prompt from some news item he's found. And then the three of us go round robin on uh, story ideas based on that prompt. And then the people watching can kind of vote on their favorites. So that's that. <laughs> and it is a lot of fun. <laughs> so uh, there's things like that happening out there. It's really interesting to see... How um, how this sort of content is starting to evolve. The technology has gotten more accessible, and people are becoming more aware of it. That's what I think is really happening. Some of this stuff has been around for quite a while, but a lot of us were hesitant to try it out. Uh, it meant embracing some changes and things like that. But I have really taken to the live stream stuff. I'm really doing a lot of live streaming for D2D, for uh, for me personally, for you know, with all kinds of friends online. Um, and it's been vastly beneficial. So I'm going to see how it continues from here. Um, now, in today's episode, I am chatting with author Mary Koa, And that is a Hawaiian name. Her husband is from Hawaii. Uh, and, uh, that, you know, we're talking about how she is rolling out her new mystery uh, a new mystery novel, and one of the things I want to point out because I don't we I, we kind of talk about this a little in the episode, uh, but I wanted to call it out specifically because one of the things that uh, I liked about this this chat was uh, this was one of her what I call thirds. Those you know you how, how you start like a third of a novel and you you walk away from it. You know I think she actually completed the entire novel, but she had written this. She had pushed it around, uh, trying to get some interest in it in the traditional world, uh, and uh, then kind of, you know, shelved it for a while while she went and pursued 
a career uh, in you know working in the uh, legal field. And uh, then she came back, polished it up, got a deal for it, and now she's rocking and rolling on a three book deal. So that's an interesting scenario. She is uh, she's going with a traditional house instead of self publishing, and uh, that's that's going to work perfect for her. Uh, and, but I, she's, st- what I like is she's still taking a, what I consider to be a more self-publishing approach to the marketing. And that, that comes from the fact that she's a business owner and has, uh, you know, she's run a, a business for a while, knows the importance of marketing that's, that has to have helped. So I think this is a, this is an, uh, inspiring story, uh, and provides some tips on strategy as well. So if you're just starting out at this stuff you haven't gotten your first book released, even if you do have some books released, maybe you don't have uh, really a launch strategy in place. So this would be a good place to start. So I'm not going to keep you from it any longer. Let's hop right in. I hope you're enjoying uh, this show and all the other content I'm producing. Uh, If you go check out kevintumlinson.com, you can also find it wordslingerpodcast.com. If that's too hard, try authorontheroad.com. That's my newest URL that allows you to go directly to my website. Uh, and uh, I also got uh, historiccrimes.com, which is going to tie in with my with my thrillers. So yeah, stick around. I'm going to be talking about that stuff later. But use whatever URL is going to get you there and go check out uh, my website. I've got a ton of stuff that I am into. Uh, a lot of it is aimed at helping authors. It is my author website aimed at my readers, but if you look up in that menu bar, it's crammed full of stuff that's actually aimed at helping authors. Uh, and you'll find, uh, you, if you heard the ad spot at the beginning of this episode, um, you know, Indie Author Blueprint is there, Author Email is there, Draft to Digital is there. So uh, lots of stuff for you as an author, so go check that out. Um, and then, of course, let's roll right into this interview with Mary Kaliikoa. And all about her debuting mystery novel. So, see you on the other side. Hey, everybody. Thanks for sticking around through the intro, tuning in for this week's Wordslinger podcast. And today, I'm going to get this right, Mary. I promise. I promised you before we started, I'm going to get this right. Mary Kelly Koa. Very good. Good. All right. <laughs> See, I, I, every now and then I pull it off. Okay. So uh, Mary is the author of the P.I. Kelly Pruitt Mystery Series, debuting book number one, coming May 12th, 2020. So as you listen to this, I'm going to try my best to make sure you hear it before it releases. So go pre-order it. Uh, but otherwise, just go buy the thing. What are you doing? What are you, why are you just hanging around out there? Uh, but we're going to chat with Kelly today. So I'm sorry, Kelly. Not Kelly, Mary. I'm going to do that at least three times in this interview. That's all right. That's one. <laughs> one down. One down. So uh, welcome to the show, Mary. Thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Now, um, I was kind of reading through your bio. Uh, you, uh, you guys, uh, you, you're very interesting, actually. Mm-hmm. I don't get a lot of folks who spend uh, a significant amount of time on what we call the Big Island, uh, mm-hmm. but I assume you have a family connection there. I do. I'm, my husband is actually Hawaiian. Yeah. So, um, and he's the oldest of 10 and he has several siblings that live on the big Island, which is why we spend a lot of time there. Yeah, that's fun. Um, and I think a lot of people would probably be a little envious of that, but, uh, it's old hat for you though. I'm sure. 
we've we've come back and forth quite a bit for about six seven years now um we tried to you know in our younger years we tried to get back home more often but you know being young raising kids and that sort of thing so yeah yeah yeah. it's more time there now yeah uh so now reading through your bio you it said that uh you spent the first 18 years of uh of your adult life working around lawyers that had to be i've worked around attorneys and lawyers uh the same thing but i've worked around attorneys uh not always the most fun but it can be very interesting how how did that influence things for you well definitely i mean i've been working in the legal or i had been working in the legal field right out of high school and i just always really was drawn to it i like you know that justice sort of thing and the fairness sort of thing and um, breaking down a case and seeing the sides of everything, the observer. I'm very much an observer, so it was really fun to to do that for a living for so long. Yeah, um, yeah. So it was really cool. Yeah, uh, and that that uh, was that sort of the springboard. It's interesting because you had a gap. Do you want to talk a little bit about like your first your first writing career and your current writing career? Like, why was there a gap? Yeah. So, well, I started, I wasn't one of those people that knew I wanted to write for a long time. It took me, I was a little bit of a late bloomer. And so I was in my late twenties when I decided to try my hand at writing my first novel. And um, I really, you know, I had high expectations, you know, I was going to be Mary Higgins Clark Jr. You know, I had, (laughs) you had this all planned out. Yeah. And I wrote for eight years and derailed, um, which is being published was actually the fourth book I ever wrote. Um, but the dream started to feel a little bit hard. I wasn't getting an agent. I wasn't getting anything. And, and so, um, my husband and I decided to do something different. We had always wanted to work together. So we started a company. So that's where all my creative energy went for about 15 years. I owned a couple of natural pet stores and, um, you know, I was really big into the, you know, customer service and, you know, retail hours or, you know, especially when you're self-employed or 12 hour days. Right. my energy was gone for writing. Fast forward, I sold the company in 2015. I turned 50 and I was like, huh, wonder what that book's doing over there on that shelf. <laughs> so <laughs> I pulled it out and uh, 2016 is when I really started diving into it, entered it into Pitch Wars and um, still didn't get an agent, still took a lot of more editing afterwards, but yeah. um, four years to that date, I'm, I'm going to be debuting. So Excellent. I mean, yeah. Better late than never, but right. I don't even know that that's all that late, really. I mean, I'm, I've known authors who spent, you know, the first 50 full years of their life just trying to write a book. So Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, as long as you keep going, right? I mean, that's the only time you ever fail is when you, you know, pack it up and just stop. When you stop, so. right. Yeah, yeah. So what, I mean, so you had the book sitting there. So you, mm-hmm. you've, that's, that's a big advantage, by the way, uh, having the book already written when you start kind of polishing it and getting it back out there is I think it's kind of handy. <laughs> it was a hot mess, but yes, it was, I mean, at least it was, you know, it was there when I entered it into that contest, I ended up having to add about 10,000 words to it to bring it up to the right word count and add different storylines. So it was really a rough draft it's Yeah. when I left it behind, but it took several edits to get it to where it is for, for sure now. Now, did you, were all those edits uh, purely you or did you, how are you getting it published? Who's, who's publishing? Uh, Camel Press, actually, or Epicenter Press, yeah, as my publisher. Um, And my editor there did a whole other set of edits, even after I thought it was ready to go, even, (laughs) you know, how that goes. 
they buy it and then like they say, oh, we're going to, we want it. And here, go make a bunch more changes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's what's interesting about that process. You know, it's like it, the book isn't finished until it's actually in the reader's hand. It seems <laughs> very true. Yeah. But you know, you get good at it. You know, I, now I have to say edits don't scare me like they used to because yeah. it's like, ah, oh, yeah, I think I can handle that. I think that was always a hang up for me uh, early on, uh, especially when I had my, my uh, traditional contract, it bothered me a lot, you know, uh, did, so do, was there any sort of ego to overcome when you got that first round of edits? Well, mm, yeah, probably. I like, I'm human, right? So there's always going to be like, what? And well, and especially how they're presented. Sometimes somebody, my editor would sometimes say, you know, I just really don't like this part. And I'll be like, but why did you buy the book again? <laughs> but you said you liked it, right? Um, right? So for a second, I have to go, okay, you know, she's just trying to make it a better story. And at the end of the day, I have to say, I love all the edits that she suggested. And um, once I got out of my own way of that, I was able to really embrace them. And I really think the book is so much better for it. So. Yeah, that's, and that's very encouraging. You know, uh, there are those of us who, who fear that, you know, interference is going to just ruin the book yeah. <laughs> you're taking yeah. away our child our baby your baby I, it is and they are our babies right i mean we yeah. put so much uh sweat and tears and blood sometimes blood into them i mean it's just yeah it's amazing but it's hard yeah. but you just have to get out of your own way if you want to be traditionally published you know for sure it's just right. part of the were there any changes uh made by the editors that you just i don't know that that hurt the ones that hurt well, you know, originally Kelly Pruitt was very, very snarky. She kind of had a snark to her. Um, and we pulled that back. And sometimes I'd be like, oh, but I really like that snark comment, you know, because I have an inner snarky person in me, <laughs> kind of conservative, and I'm very polite, you know, I like years in customer service, right? I, you don't always know what I'm thinking, right? But um, yeah, so that was hard because I saw myself a little bit in that Pruitt character and and I didn't want to lose that snark, but so that was painful, but we got, we pulled her back and I think it's better for it. So. Yeah. I think that's, uh, that, that probably makes it tougher when you see yourself in the character, yeah. you know, if it's at all in any way, even semi autobiographical, <laughs> someone is asking you to change you now. So that's, that's gotta be really uncomfortable. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not like I hunt down killers or, you know, um, all of that, but you know, definitely her personality. I think yeah. a writer just does that, right? We just, we write what we know on some levels or at least we want to figure out. So. Well, yeah, yeah. We got to draw from somewhere, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> at least in those first drafts, right? Then we can change yeah. it up. So are you, um, so you wrote that draft and then uh, it's been an edit. Uh, so you're, you're polishing one that was already kind of around. Uh, are you working on a next, the next book? You said this is one of three. Yeah. So while I was waiting for book one to sell with my agent, you know, cause it took, took me a little while, about a year to sell through the, through my agent. Um, I got busy and wrote book two, which sometimes is contrary to what people suggest, you know, but I, I really believed at some point Kelly would, would, see the world and I wanted yeah. to be ready for book two so I actually had book two again in draft and I actually just, that just went back to my publisher yesterday morning yeah. so book two is actually already back there and I'm working on book three right now excellent yeah uh, the thing I would worry about and maybe you've figured out a way to to deal with this and I'm, I'm be I'd be curious about this um 
you've written the first book and you know you're getting edits and feedback and changes. So if you're writing the second book, doesn't, wouldn't that impact things? Like I'd worry that I'd have to basically scrap what I'd written. It was definitely a risk. I think you do take that risk on some level, but I had only drafted the second book. So I was ready to make everything very fluid as in that second round of edits based on the first round of edits. So, or the book one edits. So there are some things that I've had to change um, as I've gone, but it, it hasn't been a huge amount. So yeah. okay. Do you find okay. it's getting easier now that you've been through the first book uh, to kind of keep the character in line? Yes. The character part, the plotting never gets easier. <laughs> right. <laughs> the writing the book and making sure everything comes together and the red herrings, that just seems like it never gets easier. Ever. Really? Well, not yet. I'm waiting. Not yet. I'm yeah. hopeful. <laughs> what is it do you th that you think is the difference there? Because characters are always what people, I, I always hear people complain that the characterization is hard, that the plot was the easy part and that you know making these characters come to life was the difficult part. Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't just, I think because I like the puzzle and, and I like a twist. So just having that really solid down is what I find the most difficult. Yeah. Well, you are, you're crafting mysteries. So there has to be that, yeah, there has to be that puzzle there that, that has to be good enough to fool people, but still be solvable. <laughs> right. Exactly. And, and make sense. You don't want to send it, it out sense. of the field like, oh, how did you know? So you have to play fair with the reader, right? You have to have right. those red herrings in place. They have to directly relate to the case and send your PI off in a, in, in a believable direction. Um, right. So, you know, it's just, it's, it's a puzzle and it's, it's fun, but it can be very, I find it hard sometimes. I'm not one of those writers that can whip it out. I envy those people who just can turn over those books. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I am <not> person. <laughs> well, how do you, uh, how do you handle plotting? What, what do you use any special tools? Uh, well, I'm a pantser for the most part. So, so, yeah. <laughs> so I sit down with an idea and I always try to draft out the first chapter. I try to write the ending chapter so I know where I'm going. Okay. I spend a little bit of time writing the synopsis, the general idea of where I think it's going to go. And then I start writing. I, I think best on the page. Yeah. Once I'm in it, then I can start thinking, you know, when you're in the shower, you do all your best thinking, right? So you, right. <laughs> I think my plots, I run to my office afterwards and I, and I usually know three or four steps ahead of where I'm going. And that's about the extent of my plotting. That I yeah. That, that's that's all other than writing the ending first that's a, that's exactly how i write a book yeah. <laughs> but I I, i'm kind of fun <laughs> i think i think so i you know and, and i'm intrigued by that because you know, i write thrillers uh which have a mystery component but now I'm, i've been kind of kicking around writing mysteries uh but i was always kind of curious like how other mystery writers do that you know how they how they figure it out like i'll I'll introduce things throughout the book and it will influence how that book will end. So the idea of writing the ending first is really strange to me. <laughs> well, it doesn't always stick. I will tell yeah. you that. And the killer isn't always the same person. I've changed killers out several times on, on some things, but the general, I can usually see the last scene and I usually know how I want the final confrontation to be. I just don't always, it's not always solid who will be in that final confrontation. I leave yeah. that open. I like to be as surprised as the reader on some levels. 
Well, yeah, that's kind of the fun of uh, doing this, right? That's why I never could understand the people who meticulously plot, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It takes all the fun out of it. (laughs) (laughs) Although they would argue that point because then they're not, you know, sometimes they don't beat their head against the wall quite as hard as we do. Yeah. I kind of want to see somebody do like a scientific study of the difference between the plotter and the pantser. You know, I wonder if I could get funding for that. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be really interested to read that article for sure. Uh, Yeah, man, I would. And, you know, if I, I I would volunteer as tribute, I'd go in and have them like scan my brain while I'm (laughs) there. There you go. You're totally up for that. Uh, So that's interesting. The the ending first stuff is interesting to me. It it, it confounds me. So you're, you're, you're as much of an enigma to me as uh, the plotters, frankly. so what uh, what do you what's your sort of writing process like? Do you use any special software or do you write every day? Like, let's run it down. What's a typical writing day for Mary? So I I do write every day. Uh, I make it a habit. So I think part of that is the years of working in an office. I just had a mm-hmm. routine, and so coming into my office clicks my brain a little bit into the work mode. Yeah, and in that because I'm self-employed, I do get to work you know, uh, for a good stream of time from probably about eight o'clock to about 11 or so, I usually spend my time writing. Yeah. And that's in my office. I never really stop writing though. I'm always making my husband sit there and listen to my plot ideas or, you know, (laughs) (laughs) talking about what do you think if I murdered somebody this way, what do you think of this or that? Or I'm doing some research in, in, in connection with some of my people that I talk to for things real and yeah. So that's part of my process. And I do write every day, even Saturdays and Sundays. I, I have been trying to take Sundays off um, just to, so that I can have some balance in my life because I can get real hyper-focused if I'm not careful. Yeah. So, um, but basically every day. I find that when I try to take those days off, they, they, they really haunt me. Like by the end of the day, I feel like I've done something wrong and should be punished. <laughs> yeah. You know, especially if you're a productive type, right? Yeah. yeah. Like for, for me, getting a few hundred pages on a word or words on a page is production. And that, that makes me feel like I've, if I do nothing else in a day, I did that and I am happy. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, and there have been those days where, you, you know, you get up, you, you roll out of bed. It's a terrible day. <laughs> Yeah, and getting a hundred words on the page is a is a feat. It is. So I'll take it. Yeah. yeah, and even if you're not writing on your book, you can be writing like for right now. While I'm doing all of this for book one, I'm doing blog posts and I'm doing you know lots of different things. My newsletter. So yeah. as long as I'm productive, that's to me is is what I like. That's good marketing time. That's what a, a lot of authors don't think about. Like the yeah. authors are always so freaked out by marketing. How how do you handle marketing? Well, <laughs> well, it's really hard to see people. Yeah, come to podcast. <laughs> people lot. Now, you know, I think it's you. It's hard. We're we're kind of trained, maybe as women, especially, just not to toot our own horns. You know, yeah. we don't want to be egotistical or boastful or whatever. So, I find that the most challenging in marketing. Yeah. I also have a thing about social media in the sense that I don't want to add to the noise. I think it's really noisy in social yeah. media. And I don't want to add to that. I want to have something important to say. And then, you know, sometimes you wake up and you think, I have nothing to say. I have nothing to say today. I just want to be a hermit (laughs) right by today. And I really try to honor those days because I think people know when you're not real and you want to be real, right? You know, I don't want to be out there just to get you to buy my book. I want you to buy the book because you 
you have some interest in P.I. Kelly Pruitt. Yeah. Um, and, and I will share parts of my life as I go and, and I want to share that. But if I'm really not into it, I, I don't want to just pretend just to get you to pay attention to me. Right. <laughs> so, you know, so I work hard. It, it's sometimes that's a balance. It is challenging. And it, one of the things that I've had to come to is the realization that, that even though I don't think I have anything to say, uh, my, my audience, my readers and subscribers will, will often disagree. Like it, yeah. I can share the most minuscule detail of my, of whatever's going on in my life. And I will get a thousand emails, you know, mm -hmm. thanking me for letting them know about this thing and how excited yeah. they are. So wow. Don't underestimate. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I guess too, you know, feeling that is kind of universal. And so yeah. even saying, you know, saying it out into the void, I really just feel like doing nothing today. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I think we all have that, especially right now with all the wildness going on. Well, you're, you're in this uh, kind of unique position then because you're, you're already sort of marketing the work without the book actually existing yet. Well, and not, or at least not publicly. Yeah. Uh, do you find that, uh, challenging at all? Not really because, you mean because of the pre, like you can pre-order now, you know, yeah. I couldn't really do much before then. It was a little bit of a struggle before I had the book deal. I mean, I've been staying kind of connected and creating a connection with readers for yeah. even before the, the book deal happened because right. I think that just, because that's real, right? I don't want to just pop in now that I'd like you to buy, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. that's, right. I, I really have a thing about trying to stay authentic, you know, yeah. and, and connect with people on a heart level. And, you know, that's kind of my thing. How, how are you, you know, this is interesting, by the way, because there are a lot of authors, I think, who listen, there are a lot of what I call will be authors who listen to this show, who are just trying to learn how to do this, you know? Yeah. Uh, so how do you build an audience when you don't yet have the book? Like, are you talking about the process of writing in your, in your blog posts or, or, you know, what is it that you're sharing? Yeah. So when I was blogging originally, I spent a lot of time just talking about what it meant to write and feeling some of the frustrations around it, um, feeling at crossroads several times yeah. and coming to the truth that I write because I love to write. And if you, if you took it all away, I would still show up in my office and I would still put the words on the page yeah. because that's what I enjoy doing. And um, I think I talked a lot about that type of thing. And yeah. I also mm -hmm. travel and, and do that. And I love to share, you know, some of that because I think connecting out in other cultures and different areas of the world is, is a really fun thing to do as well. So yeah, I, I agree. That's, and you, you, you have a, a number of advantages that I think um, a lot of authors could, could be envious of and should try to replicate in some way. You know, the fact that you travel, the fact that you own a business, so you understand business, because a lot of authors come at this and they don't quite understand that it is a business. Or, yeah. or how do you perceive it? I, I'm, I don't want to make any assumptions. Well, it's definitely a business, um, yeah. for sure. And I think... You know, I, I always try to approach every situation in a professional way and keep the emotion stuff out of it. I think that's the important thing. Yeah. That's probably what I bring from my business background. And also that feeling of always surrounding yourself with smart people. I think that's something I bring from the business background. Um, because there's a lot of people that know a whole lot more than I do. And you can really learn from them and also offer your own stuff up to them as well. Yeah. Um, so that's the kind of stuff. But I definitely see it as a business and I think you have to approach it that way because the publisher certainly is. 
you know, yeah, exactly <laughs> to them and, and you're, you're a partner with them. Right. And that's, so. that is an important fact. Uh, you know, if you can, if you can get, if you can start speaking the same language as the publisher, then yeah. the two of you are partners. If one of you thinks the other is entitled, you know, or if one of you thinks they, they themselves are entitled, that's where things fall apart. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think that's true in any relationship, really. I mean, you know, it's true. Just, yeah. it always has to be a give and take. So you, um, uh, one of the things that I think, um, this is, this has come up a lot. I did a, I did a little writer's summit a couple of weekends ago and, uh, it, part of the discussion was about how I was sitting in with, uh, Joanna Penn. I don't know if you know her, she writes under yeah. JFA. Yeah. So she, um, she brought up the fact that she started writing under her initials, J, uh, JF Penn, uh, because of the, there was a sort of stigma on female writers writing in that genre, which in her case was paranormal thriller. Um, mm. but I think the same thing is probably uh, occasionally true of the, the, uh, mystery field, the mystery world. Although there, I seem, seems to me like there are a lot of female mystery writers. Uh, you is. guys do great. Uh, yeah. was that ever anything you thought about or considered or? No, okay. I never considered doing that. I mean, the only thing is sometimes the Kili Koa is a little difficult. Yeah. And my maiden name is much easier. So I did think about that for about a, a second. And then I thought, no, it's this is who I am. This so is I'm who you are. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say, I think it's great. I think, you know, keeping that name is fantastic because it's it stands out, right? Like one of the things... When I'm when I'm consulting with authors, uh, you know, everyone always wants their their cover to stand out or something. You don't necessarily want your cover to quote stand out and be different, but if you have something like an interesting name, people will latch onto that. <laughs> they will, and actually, if you go to any of the online sites, I'm the only Kelly Koa with a book out. So exactly. you know, I don't have a lot of competition. <laughs> You're not going to get confused. There you go. It's like having an interesting brand name. You know, you're, you're, you've already, you're, you're sort of preloaded to uh, be memorable. That's right. <laughs> I like it. I'll let my husband know. Hey, guess what? <laughs> yeah. No, that's cool. Uh, so you're, let's talk a little bit about the book itself because we, we haven't, we've discussed, you know, everything around it, uh, but we haven't discussed like the actual story. So what, what's the sort of background for, for this book derailed? For what the book is about, well, the elevator pitch kind of thing is that the the PI she has buried her father and her marriage in the same year, okay, and she's a single mom and she's taking on her first case uh, to look into the death of a young accountant who was hit by a commuter train, and then she discovers discovers that the victim was doing more than crunching numbers, and so she's now on a crash course with her family and with the killer who keeps. Interesting. So, yeah. Intriguing. Hmm. <laughs> uh, that that is interesting, and you've and you're establishing the character. Why? So you said this is one of three books. Why only three books? Well, that's what the publisher has. Okay. Asked and so that's where we're at for the but moment. You're going to change their mind. They're going to come back and say, "Look, we need yes. at least six more books. At least here at is least. a million dollars." Yes. Well, you know, the nice thing about having a series character is really you can go on forever as long as somebody's listening, right? Somebody's yeah. looking at, to buy it or to read it or whatever. But yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, Kelly could go on forever. She's only 32 in the book. So she's got, yeah. she's got lots of time. And she's, she's, uh, she's uh, novel 32. 
Meaning she could be 32 for the next 20 years well, if, if you really wanted. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I like to move up. I, my tendency is to go up about six months in each yeah. book. So, yeah. Yeah, she got some time. I, I did, I've never established the actual age of my protagonist because I, I wanted to be free to continue writing even once I got to like decrepit status. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll just see. Yeah. Uh, but then you get to a point where you're like, how much, how much action and gun, how many gunshot wounds can someone take? You know, <laughs> we really put our, our uh, protags through the ringer, don't we? <laughs> exactly. I don't want I don't envy them at all. No, um, would not I figure want to. at some point I'll wrap up the series like in the distant future and I'll have uh, my, my protagonist like, you know, stumbling around with a cane and you know, aching from every old gunshot wound. <laughs> <laughs> I've been re- you know, I've been reading some PI novels that are, are kind of like that because I've yeah. been judging the Seamus um, Award this year for the best PI novel. And so I've been reading lots and lots of PI novels. And it is kind of fun because you're, I'm getting to see like 10th in series or, you know, and, and just watching that progression. And definitely these guys are aching from those gunshot wounds. It's been kind of funny. I think that's, that's an, a, a, kind of a fun detail. Like I actually occasionally have my characters feel like a twinge from an old, you know, an old injury or something. Uh, I just had a character's shoulder get knocked, you know, popped out of socket, you know, that sort of thing uh, from an old wound. So yeah, I think that's interesting detail and makes it more accessible. Realistic. Yeah. 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 Gosh, I'm always feeling it. uh, That said though, I mean, you've got, now you've established a character and uh, you clearly have ideas for the next two books. Uh, So I'm assuming you laid all the groundwork so that you could just continue on. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. How's uh? So the next book again? Are you able to reveal anything, or are you going to keep that close to your vest? Well, book two is denied. That's the second book, and it's going to explore a little bit more of family secrets. Okay. You're going to get a few family secrets exposed in this book, and then the second one will give a little bit more. So, lots of dad issues in the second book. Okay. All right. So, so this isn't just her dealing with the cases. This is, there's going to be a lot of personal story. That's there good. Is, yeah. 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 See, I I think, like yeah. Cause when you, you see a lot of these in, in, in mystery series, especially the, it's always just about the case with maybe a smattering of, you know, some domestic stuff happening and almost to the side, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of who she is is because of what she's living in her real life. You know, she has a deaf daughter she's raising with an ex-husband who would like to keep her safe and an ex-mother-in-law right. who lives right next door. So, you know, she's got a lot of stuff going on. So. Yeah, exactly. That's the way life is. So you should, you should include a little bit of that. So uh, who were, I think you mentioned one, uh, but uh, who are some of your influences? Yeah, Mary Higgins Clark for sure. Sue Grafton yeah. is probably yeah. one of my biggest for this particular series. Yeah. I love J.A. Jantz, uh, Janet Ivanovich, Faye Kellerman. I just, all of those, you know, Patricia Cornwell, I've always been yeah. just drawn into all of that. And I couldn't really even pick one. I just love them all. So. Yeah, I know. That's the challenge. So if yeah. someone, every now and then someone asks me who my favorite author is. And I, you, you don't ask an, an author who their favorite author is. Cause it's not a single word answer. It's a list. <laughs> it is. It's, Oh yeah. You should see my 
bookcase and my stack of to be reads. You know, yeah. I can't pass a book that's like from an author I love. I'm like, oh, well, it's going in the TBR stack right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'll get to it someday. <laughs> someday. Someday we'll come. We'll all yeah. be able to sit and it's, it, you know, it would just be nice, right? If we could all just stay home for a month. Yes. Yeah. Or a month or two. Yeah. Just <laughs> right. So, uh, well, look, we are, unfortunately we're at time, uh, which snuck up on me. I looked down and noticed that we were coming up on the 30 minute mark. So, uh, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you and your books and especially this uh -huh. one coming out May 12th. Yeah, well, if you go to my website, which is marykelleyekoa.com, M-A-R-Y-K-E-L-I-I-K-O-A.com, I have all the links, but you can ask for it at any of your local um, bookstores, or I'm online with all the large retail, online retailers. Excellent. And of yeah. course, for all of you listening, you can find links to this, uh, that website that she mentioned and anything else that is related uh, at uh, wordslingerpodcast.com. And just look for this episode. Uh, I, Mary, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. I know you got books to write and businesses to run, so I appreciate you taking a minute. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. All right, I appreciate you coming on. Everybody else, right now, you are hearing the Groovy Bridge music. You may dance in place at will. And if you stick around, I'm going to say something pithy and or funny on the other side of this music. So I will see you there. Take care. Well, here we are on the other side, and as promised, something pithy and or funny. I, I, I'll come up with it. Just give me a minute. Uh, so, uh, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Mary, and I, uh, I hope you got something actionable and useful out of it. I, I know I did. I, um, there's a lot you can learn. We, I tend to approach everything from the perspective of the self-published author, because that's what I am. And even though I've had uh, experience with the traditional world, the self-publishing part of my career has vastly uh, outspanned that, and I'm I I learned so much about you know how this industry works and ways I can sort of leverage how it works, um, and I focus so much on it uh, that I occasionally forget that there are other ways to look at this industry. Um, so it's good to talk to people who are doing this from uh, coming at it from a different direction. It's also good to find bridges and common ground on that stuff. Cause a lot of times it's almost like there's a divide there and it's us against them. And it's no such thing. Authors should always consider other authors to be compatriots, not competitors. And this, uh, this sort of thing proves that there's, a, uh, not only is there a lot we can learn but we can help each other grow in this and, and give ourselves more, we'll say, strength, uh, strength through unity. Because um, that's what happens a lot of the time. The reason there's a divide is the, the traditional publishing industry itself has a tendency to create that divide. Like they're the ones who want it to be a competition. They're the ones who see it as a zero-sum game. And they take actions and do things that are clearly in their own interests and not in the interest of the authors or anyone else. So uh, not all so uh, in, uh, traditional publishers do this. There are houses out there that are very good at what they do, care a great deal about their authors and the catalog that they're managing on their behalf. Um, but, you know, when you start seeing groups like Hachette and uh, others, I mean, just as an example, <clears throat> the newest David Baldacci book that's upcoming, it's coming out in November. We are currently in May of 2020. It's coming out in November 2020. 
It has a very uh, in-brand cover, except for the fact that it's it's just a solid color and not an image. You know, the, the typography and everything is the same. And it says um, something along the lines of, you know, cover to be revealed. And uh, the title is like the newest whatever series this is. I don't even remember. The newest David Baldacci book. That's the title, right? Uh, and so you're already asking his readers to buy just on the faith of his name, which is, that's a valid, you know, I mean, that's great. But now, uh, look on over to the right of the page and the price for this book, <laughs> it's like the normal retail price, $27 and the, uh, Kindle, uh, pre-order price, $15. Think about that. <laughs> <laughs> the book isn't there. It's not it's not finished is what that means. The book is still being edited. Um cover doesn't exist. And the uh, the uh publisher is asking roughly <laughs> three times the price that Amazon will allow um self-published authors to uh to put on their books uh and and maintain more than a 35% cut of royalty. So there's a bit of an imbalance in the industry, and uh, you know, I, I, I don't particularly like that Amazon uh, enforces these arbitrary rules on the self-published authors as if we are somehow, um, well, I don't know, we're lesser. That's the way it feels. But I also am not a big fan of the way the traditional publishers are doing this kind of stuff, you know. Uh, banking on the author's name is fine, um, but, you know, this <laughs> this whole, like, Price the ebook. Oh, by the way, did I mention the print book, the paperback book that you can pre-order, is less than fifteen dollars. I don't remember what the price was, but it costs less than the ebook. So you can pre-order the Kindle edition for fifteen dollars off of a twenty-seven dollar price tag, or you can buy the print book for less money and have it shipped to you. So. <sighs> Just makes you want to get all stabby. Um, anyway, but that's the that's the conundrum of the uh, the indie publishing world. That's one of the things that's uh, you know dictates kind of how we have to operate. Uh, some interesting news this week uh, coming out of Apple. They're actually opening up their own direct platform. It's going to make it accessible for authors to even if you own a PC instead of a Mac, you can go directly into their platform. Um, that kind of cuts it draft to digital just a little, but you know. It's fine. We actually think it's a good thing for there to be um, just a little more of this kind of stuff out there. Anything that, that might start taking cuts at uh, the power that, that Amazon has over the industry uh, is going to be a good thing. So we support it. Um, and, we, you know, we hope people still consider us a great resource. Apple itself has been very good about, you know, they like that we take care of the customer support, that we take care of onboarding we help out a lot um so this move to uh allow people to go direct is probably just a response to people continuously asking for it and uh i'm going to continue to distribute i know this is a biased uh, opinion but i'm going to continue continue to distribute via draft to digital anyway just as i do with kobo and others because i don't want to mess with it <laughs> i don't want to have to track sales i don't want to have to track 
down anyone at Apple to solve a problem when I know I'm never going to get a hold of anybody? <laughs> Have you looked at Apple support lately? <laughs> or over the past 20 years or so? It's all forums, and you can't get direct help for anything. So <clears throat> what am I going to do? Go to the Genius Bar and ask them to help me uh, deal with a self-publishing uh, problem? <laughs> Anywho. Uh, okay, so we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, I appreciate you sticking in here, and I appreciate the support uh, everyone is giving the show. Please feel free to uh, share links to the show online. If you go to wordslingerpodcast.com, you can find every single episode that I have published. I'm thinking about a little change to how I handle uh, the show's distribution in the near future. We'll see how that works out. Um, Might even make it easier for you to uh, find and share, uh, which would be great. Make sure you uh, write a review, rate, rate and rank the show on uh, Apple, uh, it's not iTunes anymore, I don't think, but the, the Apple Store, where you're, wherever you're finding podcasts, anywhere you're finding podcasts, leave me leave me some reviews. And uh, you know, hop on over to kevintumlinson.com to find links to everything I'm doing. You can follow my YouTube channel from there, you can follow the show from there. You can find all the author-related stuff and um, some books. There just happens to be a book or two on the site for sale, so go check that out. And that's going to do it for this week's Wordslinger podcast. Thank you for tuning in. God bless each and every one of you, and I hope to see you all. Slinger.